now, maybe now is as good a time as any to always ask for anyone who would like to, any of our men who would like to help in the sound booth. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of transitions, as, as you have known. Uh, we hope to have the final pieces in soon to help mount the projectors. They'll still be mounted in the back and, and then projected forward. I uh, hope to have those parts in soon and then have those installed and, and be finished up and have our projectors running again. And then we'll have to kind of reset all of our system and those uh, who are helping with that. But if you'd like to, to offer your service and be a part uh, of our, our tech and audiovisual team, then you can see Travis or some of our men who help there. And we'd love to have your help in that way. Uh, as was said a moment ago, we believe our, our youth are already on their way back and hopefully be back with us this afternoon. Uh, I'm not sure how many people have checked with them. There was a discussion among the parents. They said, have you talked to your kids? No. Have you talked to your kids? No. We were just enjoying not having to talk to them for a few days, I think. Um, but we know they're safe. We trust the adults, and they have checked in a couple of times with some pictures. They had a, a really good time so far, but we look forward to them being back with us then this afternoon. And we hope that you can be back with us this afternoon. My hope was that they would be. That was their intention. The lesson this afternoon is going to go along with what they have been talking about. I thought it might uh, not hurt us to kind of consider uh, they were talking about the difficult and hard sayings of Jesus, and so we're going to talk about one of those as well this afternoon. If you can be back with us uh, after our lunch, if you don't plan to stay for that, we hope you can uh, be, be a part of our afternoon service. I don't know if you have a, a favorite story in the Bible. Uh, when I was growing up, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 was my favorite story. I don't know why. Um, when it was just one of those things that from a young age, I could recall uh, this story, maybe it's what takes place here as we'll talk about in just a moment. The other thing that I'm not sure about is when it is in our school age, I could have asked some of our teachers here, but I don't know what it is, what grade, maybe that you remember hearing about the class system or classes, classes of people is what I'm talking about. You know, the interesting thing I think about that is while we do wait until kids are older, obviously, somewhat older to begin to discuss the idea of a class system, if you know anything about a class system, you know that we learn that even from a young age, even if we're not fully aware of what that means, right? When we talk about a class system, we're talking about maybe the rich class or the upper class. We often use the term in this society, in our country, of the middle class. There's often a lower class or a poorer class class and so I don't remember what grade it is that kids actually learn about that but even at kindergarten sometimes they begin to get a sense of this idea that people are categorized and sometimes it's by class or in particular with that maybe how much money a family makes or how much stuff they have we categorize ourselves though even not just by our financial status maybe you're a person who your glass is half full and maybe you know somebody who their glass is always half empty. It's just something that we do in this life. We're coming up on a time in our country again, and it seems like it's just year-round now these days, but we group ourselves. Some people say, well, I'm a Republican. Some people say, well, I'm a Democrat. Some people say, well, I'm pro-life. And some people say, well, I'm pro-choice. But we're always not only categorizing ourselves, but thinking about people in different classes. This morning we're going to think about five classes of people, but we want to notice that those five groups of people are going to come from this account in Mark chapter 2. You may recall the story, but Jesus enters Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. 
Then they, we're going to talk about they in just a moment. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, according to Mark's account, this is in the first two chapters here. He doesn't go through the full story of Jesus' birth like Matthew and Luke do, but he, he gets right into well, the things that Jesus was doing. So early on here in his ministry, he's involved in this healing. His reputation, of course, precedes him with the idea of being someone who can heal others, and as would be the case. You think about even a doctor today. If there is a doctor who is known as being someone who can perform the best heart surgery or has the most success rate when it comes to helping with cancer or brain problems or whatever it might be, people flock to him or to her to see what they can do. It may be a little different than sort of filling the house so much so that people can't even get near the door, but we understand that concept. We're going to talk about five classes of people that are found here in this story. There's going to be at least four classes that maybe you'll find yourself amongst one of those groups of people. But let's consider them together this morning. Number one, the first group, and most of these are going to start with the letter H. The first group this morning is the helpless. The helpless. Of course, in this account, this, this group is simply made up of one person. But the helpless is the man that was sick of palsy because he was truly helpless. This idea of having paralysis, it's a disease that is characterized by extreme loss of motion. Some of you, many of you are familiar with Don Blackwell's story of his accident on the four-wheeler and the loss of motion that he has from his waist down. If you are friends with him on Facebook, he had shared recently the story of someone he had met and had studied with and taught them about obeying the gospel. And they were baptized in a pool there in the hospital. They had to have a makeshift place, baptistry there, but they were. But the story was told of this young man, I believe, who was completely motionless. He, he's a little different than Don in that he doesn't even have feeling in his arms. He can't move anything. So we are familiar with this idea of not having any kind of movement or motion. It's unfortunate requires a lot of work, a family to care for someone, but this person is truly helpless. Now, this person, this young man, had to be carried. We're going to come back to it in just a moment, but we often call these people his friends. I mentioned this story earlier and a few weeks ago, and someone reminded me, they said, where is it that we read the word friends? 
And we really don't. We never actually see the idea that they were friends. I think we kind of go into our minds, well, who would help someone like this unless they're a friend? And maybe that's true. But it doesn't exactly mention that they previously knew each other, simply that they were helping him. He had to be carried. He could not heal himself. Without the help of someone, he was going to die in this helpless condition. Maybe his death would come sooner. Medical uh, knowledge was not as much then as it was now. Certainly technology was not as great. But even if he lived a longer life, he was going to die in that condition unless there was someone who could help him. I think we all understand what it's like to be helpless. We certainly understand from the concept of a baby, right? An infant, a, a, a newborn baby cannot do anything. They are truly helpless. But some of you may have been in the same kind of boat even recently in life where maybe it's a, a leg injury or some kind of rehab where you can't do anything hardly for yourself and you feel helpless. We understand that. But as we are going to do with each of these points this morning, let's not just think about the physical nature of these things, but also the spiritual nature. What about the person who is lost in sin? Are they not helpless as well? You see, a person cannot heal himself or herself from sin no matter how hard we try. In the same sense, without the help of someone, this person will die in their condition. You recall in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul would write, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not, and not of that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Paul reminds us with something that we know. We don't have to be told, but we know it's true. It's not of ourselves. It's not something that we can do. Turning your Bible as well to the book of, of Titus. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. Paul would write there as well, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Going back to verse four, it, he points out that it's the kindness and the love of God shown through the Savior toward us. It's not what we have done, but according to his mercy. Also in 2 Timothy chapter one and verse number nine, Paul would write that who has saved us, the power of God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We cannot do enough. We cannot work hard enough. We cannot accomplish and check enough boxes that we can do it on our own. We are helpless without the sacrifice of Christ. Do you know what I appreciate about Ephesians 2, Titus 3, and 2 Timothy 1? All the passages we just mentioned. Paul tells us, you can't do it. But each time he says, God has done it. God has done it. We can get out of that helpless state. But we can't do it on our own. Of course, the sad thought here, the sad reminder, is that some are lost in sin and they don't even realize it. Some are lost and they're hopeless, they're helpless in this first category. They don't even realize it. They don't even know it. And maybe another group, subgroup of that is some just simply don't even care. Some people don't realize it and that's sad to think about, but that's where the next group comes in. The second class we want to talk about this morning is 
the helpers. The helpers. The man with palsy here is fortunate to have folks around him who are willing to do something. The usual statement that we make is that the man with palsy was fortunate enough to have friends that cared. But let me just caution you. I don't think we're being any kind of way that's not right. But we usually say friends, but I don't think that that's exactly the way Scripture paints these people. The Scripture simply talks about they, these folks who are willing to do something. And certainly they may have been friends, but there are helpers in this account. He could not have come to Jesus otherwise. How helpless is that? He might have been sitting by the gate every day. He might have been at his house. But he would never have made it to where the Lord was without these friends who were willing to do something. These friends had faith in the Lord's ability. In fact, in verse number 5 of Mark 2, when Jesus saw their faith, This young man, maybe, or older man, this man, possibly. But when he saw their faith, they were willing to act. They were willing to help. They had faith in the Lord's ability. They were willing to do something. Those that are lost in sin still need friends to help them. We must realize the seriousness of sin. Do you recall in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8? 1 John 3, 8, excuse me, when John says... He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We simply need to realize the seriousness of sin. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, James says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We need to recognize the seriousness of sin because it brings about death. This young man was going to die in his physical condition, but he might also have died in his sin. And the same thing is true of us and our friends, and we must recognize this fact. John chapter 8 and verse 34, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. That is how serious it is. And of course, again, the words of Paul, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We earn death when we live in sin. It is that serious. So as helpers, we must show those who are lost that the gospel is the cure for this disease. Paul would write, of course, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That is the cure. Jesus says in John chapter 5 and verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. There are many people who are helpless. We should strive to be helpers. These helpers were willing to overcome whatever obstacles stood in their way. We must be the same way as well. What obstacles stand in our way? Sometimes it's just the simpleness of being uncomfortable. Well, I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to make somebody upset. 
and yet will let someone continue to live in their sin. Continue to live in such a way that they will be condemned to hell in eternity if they do not change. But you know, I don't really want to make them mad. I don't really want to say something to upset them. What obstacles stand in the way? It may not be a house with a roof, but there are many things sometimes that stop us from saying something. Maybe we should wonder what the obstacles are, but we should be asking as well, how can we be helpers? What can we do? What obstacles can we remove to be sure that the helpless meet the Savior? That's the first two groups, the helpless and the helpers. Let's talk thirdly then about the hinderers. The hinderers. <clears throat> in this miracle, in Mark chapter 2, the multitude of people were pressing about Jesus and those folks hindered the man with palsy and his friends. Now, again, I don't think that this was some kind of ulterior motive. I don't think all these people are gathering around saying, oh, let's keep that guy out, right? It's not that way. But yet they were hindering his ability to get to Jesus. Same thing is true. There are a lot of friends, there are a lot of people in our lives, there are a lot of things in which I don't think someone is trying to lead us astray, but there are always those that hinder our efforts to save the lost. Let's talk about a few of those right now. First of all, of course, the devil. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 19, Matthew 13, 19, Jesus says in the explanation of the parable of the soils or the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. What was stone, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. He points out that it is the devil who is often going to come and hinder us from being faithful and obedient. Secondly, what about family members? Do you remember in Matthew chapter 10, verses 35 through 37, Jesus talks about coming to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. If you turned there, notice in verse number 34, that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. So I don't want to emphasize it too much. But in this whole section of scripture, he's pointing out that sometimes it's family that stops us, that hinders us. What about preachers of error or false teachers who sometimes lead us astray? Sometimes they are hindering people from reaching Jesus. What about the world? Number four, the world. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John reminds us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They're not of the Father, but they are of the world. The world will hinder us. And so I ask you, what hinders you sometimes? And maybe helps you hinder others, even though we don't want to consider that. Is it the activities that we're caught up in? You know, we're thankful for activities. We're thankful for extracurricular things our kids can participate in. We're thankful for the opportunities that we have in this life. But we get so caught up in those activities sometimes, they hinder us from being faithful to God. Faithful to services? Yeah, sometimes. Faithful to God? Yes, sometimes. What about what we see or watch, what we hear, what we read, what we're putting into our mind? Does that hinder us sometimes? Absolutely. 
there will always be those who hinder the Lord's work. So as we talk this morning, we have the helpless, the helpers, and the hinderers. Number four, this one is the one. It's going to start with a C, but the critics. I know, I know, as a preacher, it killed me too. It couldn't all be H's. I started to do a bunch of work in the synonyms, but I, the thesaurus, but I just didn't do it. The critics, all right? We just got to break off here from the H's. The critics. Some criticize. Do you remember there in Mark chapter 2 that there is this man who has been let down through the roof? And as I always ask you to do, can you try to put yourself against the wall? Let's start there. Can you try to put yourself against the wall in this room? You made it in, but just barely. You don't actually have something that's wrong. You just wanted to be around the Savior. And then all of a sudden, the roof starts opening up. The plaster's falling. Whatever it might be, is it's opening up. Maybe it stops Jesus and what he's saying. He has to stop talking because there's something going on as they're peeling back maybe these tiles and opening up a hole in the roof. Maybe it makes you a little upset because the man that you came to hear has been stopped. The man that you came to hear, maybe you did have something wrong and you're wanting help and here this person has essentially cut line, right? Now they're in front of you and they're getting all the tension. This wonderful thing has happened though. This person has been healed, and yet people are still criticizing. Verse number 6, after Jesus says, your, sons are for, your sins are forgiven you, there were some of the scribes who were sit, sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Let me ask you to put yourself in their shoes. Have you ever thought that you were whispering and the teacher couldn't see you or hear you and then you get called out? Anybody remember that uncomfortable feeling? They're not even whispering, right? They're just thinking it. And yet Jesus calls them out on it. They're criticizing. Some people criticize, and their main concern was to find fault. Jesus is doing wonderful things, and not only is he healing people, but here in verse number 5, he makes the pronouncement, your sins are forgiven. And yet they're still criticizing. Did you know that there are always people who will criticize? Did you know that there are people a lot of times who will come, who won't come to church services because they talk about those hypocrites? They talk about those people who are always causing trouble and criticizing. It's true. There will always be people who criticize. May we do our best to avoid that as much as possible. To not criticize everyone and everything. I know it's hard. We find things that aren't, don't line up with what we think should be happening. And maybe sometimes those things are worth mentioning. Maybe we need to speak up and say maybe we should reconsider something. But at the same time, maybe sometimes we just need to let it go. And realize that when wonderful things are going on, we don't need to be in the class of people who are criticizing. Because sometimes that's just the way people are. And even in this wonderful moment, some folks are criticizing. I told you when we started a moment ago that there were at least four groups here that you could find yourself in. We're talking about five classes of people, but only four that you might find yourself in one of these four classes. Because the last class this morning, going back to our H's, is the healer. And we can't join that class, right? We can't join, we can't be Jesus. Jesus was the healer. He is the only one that could heal this man. He 
is the great physician. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 12, Jesus would say, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. If you're sick, what is it that you need to do? Well, very often we need to know what to take, and we need to know how to take it. Jesus offers his prescription. His blood is the only cure. The only way to apply it is by obedience to the gospel. We talk about these things quite often. We've put them on the screens many times before. But faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. All who apply this remedy will be healed. Even Jesus himself in John 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Before you put your Bibles up, let me invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is the healer. Now, I told you we can't be the healer. We can be a helper. We shouldn't be in the helpless category. You're here this morning. You've heard the good news. Most of you have heard it before because I see you and I, we know each other and you're here. You've heard. So you can't be helpless. Or you can certainly try to be. Continue in this state of sort of plugging your ears and trying to ignore what the Bible says. But as you've heard these things, you can be a helper. You can try your best not to be a hinderer or a critic. And as a helper, what we can do is point our way towards the healer. In just a moment, we're about to sing a song, There's a Great Day Coming. You see, this morning we've mentioned five classes of people. But can I invite you in Matthew chapter 25 to notice that very soon there will come a day when there will only be two classes of people. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And for the sake of time, we'll skip down to verse 46. As he is speaking to some others, he says there will be another class of people who will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, right now, we have an opportunity to be one of five classes of people, but there will come a day when there will only be two. There is a great day coming. Travis had called me earlier in the week and asked about songs he could lead. I didn't tell him this one, but it worked out pretty good. There's a great day coming, and there will be two classes, those on the left and those on the right. Those who will be promised eternal life and will receive that promise, and those who will go away into everlasting punishment. As we extend heaven's invitation to you this morning and we sing this song about the great day that is coming it is your choice as we said a moment ago you can choose to be a hinderer or a critic you can choose to be a helper but know for sure as we sit here this morning and are about to stand together and sing this song that there will be coming a day there will be a day when there will only be two won't you be with those who are found faithful won't you be with those who will go away into everlasting life that begins here in this life by obeying the gospel plan of salvation, becoming a Christian, 
by being added to the church by the Lord because you've done exactly what he's told you to do. If you're here this morning and you'd like to study those things, we would study with you as soon as possible so that you can know the most important decision a person can make here in this life. If you're here and you've done that in times past but you've wandered away, don't be found with those who would be going into everlasting punishment. We know that God's word teaches that yes, you can be saved, but yes, you can fall away again into sin. Come back to him. Make your life right. Don't leave with worries on your heart, on your mind. Don't leave wondering what would happen if the Lord were to return or if your life were to be required even this day. Be found in the, in the class of people who are not only helpers, but those who are faithful. We're thankful to have this time now to sing a song like this, to remind ourselves that there is a great day coming and we have a choice even now as we stand together and as we sing. Keep the same opening and finish with uh, 676, 676. After this, uh, James and Dave will have our closing prayer.
Sometimes he leads the coming back to Father, which art in heaven, we come before you thanking you for another day of life that you've given us, and we thank you for the many blessings that you give us in life, and we especially thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth to die upon the cross for all the sins of mankind. We also give thanks for our brother, Joel Danley, who has brought us another lesson from your word, and May we take the lesson and apply it to our daily living. And as we depart from here, bring us back to the next appointed time and forgive us of all our sins and wrongdoings. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 